Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. God says, hey, to whom much is given, much is required. And that's, I don't think it's just a, only a threat. Um, I think it's, there's privilege in that. You know, if you know a lot, you're able to do more in a right way because God has blessed you to know more. God's blessed you to be aware. God's blessed you to be someone that could be a greater tool in God's hand because God's blessed you to know more. But that same person, because you know, if someone knows and they choose to be disobedient, God says, hey, the spanking is different for the one that knows and didn't do. The Bible says that to whom much is given, much is required. Pastor Bill will expand on this in today's message. But simply put, it means that if God has given you knowledge of his word and his ways, you shouldn't waste that. In fact, the Bible also says that if you do waste the privileges God has given you, your punishment is great. Now, don't let this scare you. Let it motivate you to follow the calling God has on your life. Even through you, he is able to do more than you could ever think or imagine. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Leviticus chapter 8 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. Now we have this ram that's being offered up as a burnt offering to the Lord and the significant thing is that the whole thing was going to be offered. Nothing wasted. The whole thing offered up to the Lord. What's that symbolic of is that God wants your whole life. God wants you to surrender all of who you are. And so this burnt offering was a sweet smelling aroma. He liked it. It pleased him. It was a sweet smelling aroma to the Lord. But if you notice in verse 21, it was the whole ram, the whole thing on the altar. I think this is important for us. Some of us would like to serve God with some of our life. God, I want to serve you this much, but I want this much of my life for me. I want to have some fun. Some of us want to serve God. We can space it out. God says, I want all of your life. Can I have it all? How much of you did Jesus die on the cross for? All of you. Not a little bit. All of you. Every part of you, every gift, every talent, every ability, every God says, I died for all of you. I want the whole thing. I want everything you got for me. The whole thing. That pleases me. That's a sweet smell to me when someone gives all of themselves to me. We all know Romans 12, 1 and 2, where we are encouraged there in Romans 12 to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, it says. God says, look, I want you to offer yourself up to me as a living sacrifice. The thing with a living sacrifice, God says, you know, I guess if God just killed us, right, we could be a sacrifice, but God said, no, no, no. No, I want you dead. I want a living sacrifice. I think it's harder to be a living sacrifice than a dead one. Because if you're a dead sacrifice, how many times you die? One time. Done. Sacrifice. Over. You got me. But a living sacrifice, God said, I want you to live for me. Dead to you, but alive to me. So every day you're living sacrificially. Every day you're dying to yourself to live for me. Every day you're living, but you're a living sacrifice. Can we say that about our life? God, my life's a living sacrifice. I'm alive, but I've died to me for your glory, to worship you, to, to give you all of my life. I'm a living sacrifice to you, all of me for you. And so I challenge us to consider uh, as these guys' lives are being set apart in service and consecrated for the work and they've been washed and they've been, you know, clothed and they've been anointed and now their sins have been dealt with, the sin offering's gone forth and now the offerings are going up to the Lord and God says, give me a burnt offering in this place. Right there, burnt offering. I want to massage that in. I want all of you, all of you for me. And so 
Why is it offered a burnt offering? As though it's saying, because you haven't given all of me to you, the sacrifice, give me all of that. But for us, New Testament saints, God says, I want you to be a living sacrifice. I like all of your life. And I'm challenged by that. As I look at my life, I'm looking at this earlier and I'm looking at my own life. I can't say that, you know, God, I haven't given all of my life. Uh, and I start studying my life and looking at pieces and parts and things that God says, I want it all. And I wonder this. I wonder what would be different. Like, how much more would God do? How much greater could things? What if God had all of all of us? How much would he do? What more would he do? What would, just for me personally, what would my life look like if God had every every iota, every piece of me, all of me for him? And so it's definitely something as I'm reading this and I'm going over it, I want to grow in it. I want to be more of a living sacrifice. I want there to be less compartments and less places in my life where I couldn't say that's been given over. The Lord has all. Gosh, I want all of you. I want the whole thing. All of you for me. It pleases me what he wants. And so moving on now in verse um, 22, um, it's the ram of consecration. Says, And he brought a second ram. So the first ram was a burnt offering. All of it to the Lord. The second ram was a ram of consecration. It says, and he brought the second ram, the ram of consecration. Then Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the ram and Moses killed it. And he took some of its blood and he put it on the tip of Aaron's right ear, on the thumb of his right hand and on the big toe of his right foot. Then he brought Aaron's sons and Moses put some of the blood on the tips of their right ears, on the thumbs of their right hands and on the big toes of their right feet. And Moses sprinkled the blood all around the altar. Then he took the fat and the fat tail and the fat that was in the entrails and the fatty lobe attached to the liver, the two kidneys and their fat and the right thigh. And from the basket of unleavened bread that was before the Lord, he took the unleavened cake, a cake of bread, anointed it with oil and one wafer. And he put them on the fat and on the right thigh. And he put all these in Aaron's hands and in his son's hands. And they waved them as a wave offering before the Lord. So let's go back up. There's this ram of consecration that's now offered up. So they had the sin offering. Then they had the burn offering. And then they have now the second ram, which is a, a ram of consecration. And they took the blood from this ram. Moses killed it. And he took some of the blood of, and he put it on the tips of the right ear, the right thumb, and the right big toe. And he put it on each one of these, on these guys. And Moses sprinkled blood all around the altar. And so these guys have already been drenched with oil. Uh, they've been anointed. And now there's blood and it's on the right ear, the right thumb, the right toe. Um, why those areas? What are they specific of the ear? Obviously, what do you do with your ears? You hear. Um, and so as this, this blood on their ear, the blood of the ram put on their ear and it's symbolic for these guys. It matters to God. These guys need to be hearing from him. They need to be hearing. They got the blood on their ear. God said, hey, this is set apart. This is a constant, this is a ram of consecration. Those ears, I need you guys to be, be careful what you're hearing with these ears. Be careful what comes to hear. You guys are going to be speaking for me and ministering for me and standing before people in my name. I want those ears. I care about that. I just would say this to us. I think we live in a very loose culture. And there's a lot of things that we can hear throughout the course of the day. Dirty us up. Filthy us. Some things you can't do anything about. I can't do anything about what I might hear driving down the street, you know, maybe people yelling or whatever. I can't do anything about what somebody might say to me somewhere. But I'm totally in control of what I choose to put in these ears. What's on my TV, what's on my radio, what kind of conversations I open myself up to. God should set that apart for me. And so we could all consider what we do with these ears. 
Does it please the Lord? Does it help us in our service? Do we hear the things that are going in these ears that are strengthening your hand for service? Are they weakening you morally for what God has called you to be? They cause you to be less set apart for the Lord. The things that you're listening to. Put the blood on their ear. Then he put it on their um, the thumb of their right hand. And these things on the right side, it's just the, the place of strength. Um, because yeah, most people are right-handed. This doesn't say anything negative about those that are left-handed. It didn't mean that you could hear holy things with your right ear and, and hear vile things in your left ear. You don't put, you know, K-wave in your right ear and Tupac in your left ear. That's not what he's saying. It's just saying, hey, this is the, the position of strength, the right ear, the right thumb, and the right toe. So the hand, the thumb, it, it has to do with your work, what you do with your hands. You know, if you take a thumb off, you really can't do work. Back in those days, when if they would capture guys from war, they were going to keep them. They would cut the thumbs off. Those guys would never hold a sword again. They could never swing a sword again. They could never be a threat again in that way. And so the right thumb um, has to do with our work and our service. That the things that we do with our hands, our work, our service, that's to be also set apart for the Lord. Um, that we be careful what we do. Now be careful what we hear. But now, what are you doing? What have you put your hand to do? Man of God, woman of God, what do you put your hands to do over the course of a day? Is it anointed? Is it set apart? Is it consecrated? Is it the things that you do with your hand? Has it been set apart by God for God? Does it glorify God? Think about your hand over the course of a day. What do you do with this thing all day? What's it do? What's it do for the Lord all day? Is there anything that your hands do that God would say, man, that's, that's for me? Is there anything our hands are busy doing that God would say, that's got nothing to do with me? I'd be great if you just dropped that. And that was something I asked myself as I looked at this, because it might not be that you're doing wicked things with your hands. But if you take your day, you know, we only have so much time in a day. And if you just look, what have you done? Take the last 24 hours from last night at 7 till, or 8 or whatever till tonight at 8. What have you done? What have you heard? What have you done? And we'll look at our big toe in a minute. Where have you gone? What have you done? What have you been doing last 24 hours? And how much of that would God say, that was for me, that pleases me, that glorifies me? And how much of it would be something that you would look at, God would look at and say, it wasn't sin, but if you didn't do it, I wouldn't, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't change anything. Nothing would change if you didn't do that for that amount of time. Do you waste time? The Bible tells us that we're to be redeeming the time because the days are evil. And so if you find that I don't have enough to do with these hands. I bet you we can find you something to do for the Lord. You know, there's something you could be doing for him. So just something to consider uh, what we do. And then thirdly, you know, put the blood on the right ear, blood on the right, the thumb of the right hand and on the big toe of the right foot. Uh, once again, the big toe, take the big toe off. You be walking real funny. You know, the big toe and the right foot, it has to do with, you know, you're walking. So we're setting apart what we're hearing. We're setting apart what we're doing. Our walk also to be set apart. And not the way we walk, but our walk, where we're going, what direction are you headed in, what are you doing with your life, where you're headed, where you're going, your walk. We call our relationship with God, many times we refer to it as my walk. How's your walk with the Lord? Why do we say that? Because it is a walk. It's something that, you know, we're making, we're constantly going, we're making forward progress, we're moving forward, hopefully in our walk with the Lord. All these things he wants to be set apart. And so he puts blood on the right ear, blood on the right thumb, blood on the right toe. And again, verse 24, then he brought Aaron's sons and Moses put some of the blood on the tips of the right ear and on the thumbs of the right hand and on the big toes of the right feet. And Moses sprinkled the blood all around the altar. And I want you to just keep in mind, all this is happening before the whole congregation. Everybody's watching this take place. These guys have been 
washed, they've been clothed, they've been anointed, they've been offerings going forward, they put their head on the pool, it was been offered up, then there was a, a burnt offering offered up, and then there was the second ram of consecration, and it was cut open and bleeding, they took the blood, put blood on this guy's ear, and blood on his right hand, and blood on his right toe, and he's standing there, and he's got oil, and he's got blood, and he's standing there before these people, and God is saying, these are the guys, I'm setting these guys apart. These guys are going to be ministering for me to you. And you guys will never forget this day. These guys will never forget this day. They're going to be putting this outfit on to come and serve me. And it's got blood and oil. Them ain't coming out. Them, are, them stains ain't coming out from that day. Um, they didn't have, you know, tide and all that we got today. You get blood and oil and something, it's not coming out. And they were going to be putting these garments on. This is going to be a reminder to them. And I like that. It, we'll see more of it as we go. It gets a little messier. But there's just going to be the mixture of the blood and the oil. And I just believe that everything that we do in service, there should be both of those things. There should be the blood of the sacrifice. There should be the reminder in everything that we do of what Jesus has done for us. Any service that you put forth, and if it's not motivated by the cross, if you can't see what you're doing and say, I am willing to do this for God because the cross. I'm not doing it because someone asked me. I'm not doing it because it's a need. I'm not doing it because I think it helps I'm doing it because of the cross. Because Jesus bled for me, I do this for him. It's something I get to do for him. If you don't have that, you won't serve right. If you don't have that, your motivation won't be right for service. If you do have that, you'll never run out of motivation for service because that'll always be the most important thing that's ever happened to you, the blood of Jesus. That's your motive for service. God, I'll do whatever you tell me to do because you died for me. Then on a rough day, on a bad week, when nobody recognizes what you've done, he still died on the cross for you. It's still worth doing for him. Your motivation is not shaken by things that men may do. It's, it's, it's solid. God, I'm doing it because you died, because you bled. I get to do this for you all day. I'll do it. And then the oil. I can't do anything without your strength. Some of us know why we do it, but we disconnect from the power. And when you disconnect from his power, you start doing it in your power. And if we do anything in our power long enough, we'll burn out. If I try serving God in my own strength, I'm done. It's a wrap. I'll burn out. I'll be burnt out, bummed out, and done. If I start moving in my own strength, my own power. Everybody's seen a fan. You plug a fan into the power and it's just going, woo, it's going. And it's cooling the room and it's doing whatever it does. And you unplug it. For a little while, it's still going, right? If you unplug it, it's for a little while, it still goes. But it goes slower and slower. It's less and less effective. And eventually, it just stops out of power. That's how some of our lives can be. That they, when they're plugged in, they're going, they're effective, God's using them, things are happening, people are being impacted in a positive way, but as you unplug, but you're still moving, just not as effective, and it's a little slower, a lot slower, and eventually you just poot out, all out. We need the right motivation, and we need his power, that we might be effective in service. And so these guys got blood and oil all over them, and it was for a reason. You know, God intended it to be that way for them, I believe he made a point in doing it that way. And so they would have it all over them. Verses 25 to 29 speak of the wave offering that was going to be offered. So they had the parts of the meat that were going to be offered up. They had the unleavened bread that was anointed with oil. Verse 27 says, and he put all these things in Aaron's hands and his son's hands, and they waved them as a wave offering before the Lord, which we looked at last week. Then Moses took them from their hands and he burned them on the altar of the, on the burnt offering. They were consecration offerings for a sweet aroma. That was an offering made by fire to the Lord. 
And Moses took the breast and waved it as a wave offering before the Lord. It was Moses' part of the ram of consecration as the Lord had commanded Moses. And so if you guys remember, um, the wave offering was, well, they, the, they were able to keep the breast and the other part was burnt up and it was a communion offering. Um, it was, they get to have a part and God had a part. There was part of it that was burnt up for the Lord and that went to the Lord. There was a part of it that they got to take and consume themselves. And so the thing with the wave offering is just, now there's fellowship, there's communion between them and the Lord. They're having, a, in a sense, it's like we're having a meal together. We're spending time together. That's God's part, that's my part. And so as they've been, you know, obviously they were called for this service. They were cleansed for the service. They were clothed for the service. They were anointed for the service. Um, there were the offerings that went forth. And now um, these guys are something that we need if we're going to be in service. Ongoing fellowship and communion with the Lord. That we would keep that going. That it wouldn't die out. That we wouldn't get to a place where our communion, our fellowship with the Lord, that it dies not spending time with the Lord anymore, not enjoying intimacy with him anymore. And so this, the last chunk here, um, verse 30 says, um, then Moses took some of the anointing oil and some of the blood, which was on the altar, and he sprinkled it on Aaron, on his garments, and on the garments of his sons with him. And he consecrated the garments, his sons, and the garments of his sons with him. And Moses said to Aaron and his sons, Boil the flesh at the door of the tabernacle of meeting and eat it there with the bread that is in the basket of consecration offerings. As I commanded, saying, Aaron and his sons shall eat it. What remains of the flesh and of the bread you shall burn with fire and you shall not go outside the door of the tabernacle of meeting for seven days until the days of your consecration have ended. For seven days, he shall consecrate you. So these guys, this is a seven-day ceremony. They weren't to go back outside until these seven days were completed. Seven is a number of completion in Scripture. And so they were to stay back for that period of time. Verse 34, as he has done this day, so the Lord is commanded to do, to make atonement for you. Therefore, you shall stay at the door of the tabernacle of meeting day and night for seven days and keep the charge of the Lord so that you may not die. For so I have been commanded. And Aaron and his sons did all the things that the Lord commanded by the hand of Moses. And so kind of interesting there, they're told, don't step outside or you'll die. You know, there's consequences for rebellion. There's consequences for not doing what God said do. At the same time, there's blessings for obedience. There's a blessing in obedience. But for these guys and the position God had put them in, um, there was a severe consequence for Disobedient. The Bible teaches us that to whom much is given, what? Much will be required. So there are some people that don't know very much and they'll be held accountable for what they know. Then there are people that God is blessed to know quite a bit. Some of us have been blessed to be under good Bible teaching. We've been blessed to be in places where we just we know the Lord. We know his word. We understand his will. We know what he wants. God says, hey, to whom much is given, much is required. And that's I don't think it's just a, only a threat. Um, I think it's there's privilege in that. You know, if you know a lot, you're able to do more in a right way because God has blessed you to know more. God's blessed you to be aware. God's blessed you to be someone that could be a greater tool in God's hand because God's blessed you to know more. But that same person, because you know, if, if someone knows and they choose to be disobedient, God says, hey, the spanking is different for the one that knows and didn't do. If I have not told my kids not to do something and they do it, when they're younger and I'm training them up, uh, they're not going to get a spanking for doing something I didn't say don't do yet. But if I say specifically, don't do that right there or I'm a spanking. If you go do that right there, what's going to happen? It'll tear you up. It's going to be bad. Um, I warned you. I told you. Right. I gave you the opportunity. There's all kind of grace. If you didn't know, it might just be a conversation or two. You know, but if I tell you 
and you do it, ooh, ooh, that's bad. That's a problem. That's how God operates. God said, yeah, there's grace. God, how many of us in our times of ignorance did things that we look back and say, ooh, man, I'm glad he had mercy. I look back and um, I know one thing that I cringe every time I think of how many times I said it. How many times I said to people that I wanted to go to hell and I joked about going to hell and what I would do in hell and what it would be like. Obviously completely ignorant about the reality of what hell was. I thank God that he didn't let me die and, and see. I'm so sorry today that I spoke like that then. I did it in ignorance. And I'm glad that there was a mercy over my life in ignorance that God would say, he didn't hold me to that. I'm not going to go there. I'm never going to experience what that would be for real. And I'm thankful. I'm thankful that there's a mercy in that. Uh, I would never today, knowing what I know, talk about it the way I spoke about it then or think about it the way I thought about it then or take it as lightly as I did that I'm, I'm impacted by what I know. And so for those of us here, we've been blessed to know a lot. Um, these guys are, God's done a lot for them. Um, they're in a great position. They got a great uh, ministry. God's brought them before all the people that they would be hollowed. They'd be revered that people would know those guys right there. They're God's priests. They're in this special camp right here. They eat from this place here. They live in that place there. When you come here, they minister to you in this way. I engage with them in a certain kind of way. God has made it a point. He set them guys apart. They don't get to choose to be a priest. You got to be born into the priesthood. You don't get to bring that upon yourself. God put it upon these guys. I call them for this. It's a big deal. They got to be this at this point in history. And for you and I, we're not going to be priests in the way that they were, but God would lay a hand on all of us. God would put his spirit on everyone here. God would wash you. God would clothe you. God would anoint you. God would set you in a place to be a ministry and of service to him. God would allow you the privilege, the opportunity to be a living sacrifice for him. God would let us give all of ourselves to him that we might be of ministry to other people. God would pour out his spirit upon you and God would set apart you, what you do and what you hear and where you go. God would give you things to do for him. He'd do that through us and with us too. As these guys had to be yielded and obedient, I believe that we also need to be yielded and obedient, that we might see God do great things in us and with us and through our lives. For some of us, um, maybe we need God's spirit upon our lives in a fresh way. Maybe some of us are burnt out or tired and we just have lost you know, sight of why we're doing what we're doing. Maybe we've lost sight of the cross and that motivation. Maybe you got the cross down, but you lost connection. Um, you're not spending time with the Lord. You're not walking in the fullness of his spirit. And so you feel exhausted and burnt and weary. Um, God would renew us in his power and he would renew us in his strength and he would renew us in our purpose. And all we have to do is look to the cross. I think everything is made proper at the cross. As I look to the cross, I realize at the foot of the cross, there can be nobody prideful. Um, everybody at the foot of the cross needs the same thing. We're guilty. We've sinned and we need his forgiveness. We're humbled at the foot of the cross. No one's better than anybody else at the foot of the cross. We're all low. He's high. No one's a big deal at the foot of the cross except for the one on the cross. And as you get up and walk away, we all walk away forgiven, no matter what we came with. Same forgiveness. The murderer, the drunkard, the whatever. You walk away with the same forgiveness and we all walk away from the foot of the cross with the same opportunity to serve the one that died for us. And I think it just puts, for me, it puts everything back in perspective. I need to spend time at the cross. I think that's why God says, I want you to take communion in regular intervals so you don't forget who I am and what I did and why it is that you do what you do for the rest of this life. Why would you be a living sacrifice? Because I was a sacrifice for you. 
And for me, I don't need another motivation. I don't even want another motivation. There would not be another motivation that would be right other than that. Pray that God would renew us in that, just remembering what he did for us. You've been listening to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. Thanks for tuning in. Leviticus is often a book that gets overlooked and misjudged. Though it seems to be full of meaningless and insignificant rules, nothing can be further from the truth. All of Scripture is so important to understanding not only your faith, but also the heart of God. When God created the Ten Commandments, they weren't meant to control. They were meant to help guide. God desires for all His children to understand that life in Him can be full and rich. And that's all God wants for you too. But He won't force you to live in Him or live by His guidance. You get to choose it. What a gift! If you're looking to dive deeper into Leviticus or other scriptures, we have a helpful Bible reading plan on our website. This can be a useful guide to help you explore the Word of God on a daily basis. Look on our website, CalvaryInglewood.org. Thank you for tuning in today to A Transforming Word. Next time, Pastor Bill will continue teaching through the book of Leviticus. But before we go, we'd like to ask you to prayerfully consider supporting this ministry financially. Any amount is appreciated. These teachings are broadcast on the radio and help spread the good news of the gospel. That's a powerful thing. If you'd like to find out more about how to support A Transforming Word, go to CalvaryInglewood.org or donate through our app. We're so thankful for your support and more than anything. We hope this ministry has been and continues to be a blessing to you. We look forward to you joining Pastor Bill again next time, right here on A Transforming Word.